0: You're listening to sermon audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com. I want you to go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. I'm sorry, that is not the right one. Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, (coughs) we're going to be reading starting in verse uh, 7. Luke 17 verse 7, we'll read through verse 19 in just a moment. Uh, It was October 1942, and uh, Captain Eddie Rickenbacker, uh, was on a mission uh, flying a B-17 to try his best to get an urgent message to General Douglas MacArthur, who was in New Guinea. And and there's actually a, a book and a I think a movie about this that you may have seen. But basically, Captain Eddie's uh, flying fortress got lost. Uh, it It got out of radio contact, and they ran out of fuel, and they had to ditch the plane. And for nearly a month... <laughs> They were um, battling the waves in the water and, and uh, they tell of many sleepless nights of cuddling up in the fetal position on their rafts because these big sharks were uh, bumping their rafts. And in Rickenbacker's own words, Captain Eddie, he said, The B-17 pilot, Captain William Cherry, read the service that afternoon and we finished with a prayer for deliverance and a hymn of praise. There was some talk, but it tapered off in the oppressive heat. With my hat pulled down over my eyes to keep out some of the glare, I dozed off. Something landed on my head. I knew it was a seagull, I don't know how I knew, I just knew. Everyone else knew too, no one said a word, but peering out from under my hat brim without moving my head, I could see the expression on their faces. They were staring at that seagull. The seagull meant food, if I could just catch it. And of course he did catch it, and the rest is history uh, and they of course used it to eat they ate it and used some of its insides to catch other fish and it sustained them and there and gave them hopes renewed hope uh, because a lone seagull uh, was uncharacteristically hundreds of miles from land as if it was offering itself up as a sacrifice <laughs> and of course all praise be to Jesus uh, for saving their life but What's cool about the story is that every Friday night until his death in 1973, uh, Captain Eddie would visit uh, an old broken down pier on the east coast of Florida. And he would be slumped over, you know, an old back, carrying a bucket of shrimp. And he would go to the end of the pier and he would feed those seagulls out of gratitude for that one seagull, which on that fateful day in 1942, Uh, gave itself up without a struggle uh, like manna in the wilderness let me tell you something gratitude is a precious thing to our Savior it's a beautiful thing and it stands central in the question that Jesus is asking today where are the nine so I want us to stand in honor of God's word and read Luke 17 verse 7 we'll read through verse 19 Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he's come into the field, come at once and recline at the table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink? And afterwards you can eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you've done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done what was our duty. On the way to Jerusalem, a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give uh, praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. I want to ask Rodney Owen to come and ask God's blessings on the message today. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for this time that we can uh, come and worship and the worship that we've already had and the good report on Ken. We just praise you for that. And as we prepare ourselves to hear the sermon now that went has prepared for, hide him behind the cross. Let his words be what you want us to hear. Open our hearts and our ears so that we may be changed. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can be seated. Well, Jesus isn't a seagull, and uh, we were destined for more than a month at sea, right? We deserve eternal punishment in a real and literal hell before the sins that we've committed. Uh, But enter Jesus. And we certainly need to show our gratitude with more than a bucket of shrimp to Him. And that's really what this passage is about. Romans 15 verse 4 says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. That's what we're doing today, church. We're encouraging one another with the Word of God so that we might have hope. And I just got to confess, these Q&A sessions with Jesus have been quite the treasure trove of encouragement to me, and I pray they are to you as well. And the first treasure we see in this passage on gratitude is don't expect it nice cue, by the way. (laughs) All right? I had that lined up. When obeying God, don't expect gratitude now these these two sections, these two different passages of scripture, I paused in between them when I read them because they they don't seem to go together that's verses seven through ten that's kind of one thing, and then verses eleven through nineteen seem to be another, but they're all they're they're best chewed together as a whole and so we start in verse seven with a conversation about servants, and what Jesus is not saying here. Similar similar to to last week where it seemed Jesus was being uh, harsh when he said, you let the dead bury the dead. Uh, Here he sounds like he's being kind of an elitist you know, like a highbrow. He says, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink and afterwards you can eat and drink. Now, uh, in our culture, that sounds kind of like a cruel, uh, arrogant boss or slave owner, but we need to kind of put it in the context of Jesus' day. First of all, servants in that day were servants for a multitude of reasons. Some uh, were working off debt, what we would call an indentured servant. Some were hired hands. And yes, some were slaves, just like the Israelites had been in Egypt and in Assyria and Babylon and Rome. And, but that's not the point that Jesus is making. He's talking, he's taking a cultural norm and talking about it, right? Meaning, someone somewhere is serving someone for some form of compensa- compensation or repayment right the topic isn't about how to treat servants it's how to be a good servant Jesus isn't being rude or condescending because this is the same God that said love your neighbor as yourself right so Jesus isn't saying don't you know don't ever desire to improve your standard of living by remaining a servant you heard about the kid uh, who grew up on a farm and he he got a white football for Christmas and he was playing with that white football I must have been a UT fan and, uh, and he kicked it over the fence uh, one day and, and never saw it. But when he kicked it over the fence, this old rooster came out. And that old rooster stared down at that football, big old thing. And he called all the other hens together to look at it. And he said, now look, I don't want you to think I'm complaining. I just want you to see what they're doing next door. <laughs> all right. Jesus isn't saying we should never desire or pray for our bosses to be more grateful. All right. What Jesus is saying is when you're working for somebody, doing the basics of what you were hired to do, expected to do, don't expect them to come in and say, wow, you are so incredibly wonderful for doing your job. The very minimal that I've asked of you, (laughs) right? That's what he's saying. His point is the one serving doesn't expect thanks for doing his job. He's calling for a humble attitude That doesn't live for gratitude, but lives to praise the one in charge. That should be what we live to do. Verse 10 says, so you also, when you've done all that you were commanded, say, we're unworthy servants, we've only done what was our duty. Church, just like last week, I think Jesus is setting the bar high for just exactly what true discipleship is. True disciples do not serve for a pat on the back or praise from their peers. Verse 11, what are the first five verses, of, uh, uh, first five words of verse 11? On the way to Jerusalem. <laughs> now, without getting lost in the geography, uh, in a geography lesson here, <clears throat> y'all can kind of visualize the Mediterranean Sea. You know, you got Rome over here, you got Jerusalem down here. But you got the whole swath of uh, Galilee, and the southeast corner of Galilee wrapped around the corner of the Mediterranean Sea. Then below that you had Samaria, and below that you had Jerusalem. Now sometimes people would travel south, but they would say they're going up to Jerusalem because it was higher, you know, elevation-wise. But they were going south. But why in the world would Jesus be going north to go en in- route to Jerusalem, which was south? Well, if you go back to John 11, He raises Lazarus from the dead. That ticked a lot of people off. And then the Passover of the Jews was at hand. Uh, and, and many uh, people, this is John 11:55. 55, went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. So, people were going to Jerusalem en route on like a pilgrimage. They were looking for Jesus, verse 56. Uh, verse 57, now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where He was, Jesus... Let us know so that we can arrest him, right? Also on that journey, in the same kind of big series of events, in John chapter uh, chapter 12, Mary, that's the sister of Lazarus, uh, anoints, comes in, anoints Jesus' feet, and a lot of people were ticked about it, how you're spending too much money, Why, why are you wasting all that? And Jesus says in John 12, verse 7, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. So Jesus is foretelling what He's on earth to do and what He's literally en route to do. Right? He's here to obey the Father, go to Jerusalem, lay down His life for our sins, but far be it from Him uh, to get appreciated, to be thanked for it, He's being hunted as a sinless servant. And Luke 17, 11 adds, He was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And so another reason he, he was going north to go south, they believe, historians believe, that he was trying to fall in with that pilgrimage. You know, he's getting back on the main route to walk with other people. Obviously, we know also, so that he'd run into these 10 lepers, right? On the way to Jerusalem, right? His final trip, by the way, this is the last time he was gonna go to Jerusalem. We're just a few weeks out from Easter, and what a perfect time for this. He was going to the Passover of his own crucifixion. Not an appreciative path, but an obedient one. And let me just tell you something, Piperton. I want you to hear what I'm about to tell you. You are an example of this passage. I hope you hear, hear me this morning. I am humbled, I am privileged, I am blessed by you men and women to get to serve alongside you because you do not care if someone else thanks you. And we have nonstop service in this church, right? We got people back there right now probably changing your kid's dirty diaper, right? We have all kinds of committees and teams and security teams, worship teams, first impression, small groups, Lord's Supper preparers, grass cutters, sound board, sound booth, women preparing for baby showers and wedding showers, Meals being delivered to homes, not to mention all the people that rally around. I just think of all, uh, so many of you that came to the hospital to see Ken and you minister ministered to one another and it's a blessing for me and I wanna thank you. By the way, I normally preach because I feel like what I preach needs to be heard. I, you know, I feel like the scripture needs to be heard. But I'm not preaching this to you today. This first point has nothing to do with a rebuke. I'm preaching it to you as a compliment with all my heart. I believe you obey this passage. I believe you serve in such a way that you don't care if you get thanks because you know who you're doing it for. You know I was watching a, a while back sometimes when I want to just go brain dead you know I've been studying too long at lunch. I watch uh pawn stars it's real it's deep it's deep thought television uh and um, I was watching, and they, they there was a guy who brought in a 1922 high relief silver coin, silver dollar, or whatever. High relief. That high relief means it's been pressed deeper and harder, so that the image pops off the the coin more than others. And that high relief coin is very evident. It's very brilliant. It's pre, it's a prettier coin. And it makes it more rare. This particular coin's worth close to $100,000 just because it's high relief. Piperton, you are a high relief coin. You've been pressed deep. You can make a lot of shallow coins, right? Those have the softer press. They're cheaper to make. You can spit out more of them. But you're rare because you, you serve without expecting thanks uh, in return. And it's rare and it's valuable. And I, and I want you to know that. It's encouraging to me as your pastor. When obeying God, don't expect gratitude. Second, when healed by God, be grateful. <laughs> the people of God shouldn't expect gratitude, but we should definitely wield it out. Amen. And there's a great passage in Luke uh, uh, <coughs> 17, this passage, that tells this. this is, he, he entered a village. He was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. They lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them said, when he, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus said to him, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was not one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to them, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. The passage, this passage is really, you know, I, I don't, I try not to have as many pet peeves these days because, you know, there's so many negative things in the news and media and, and social media. And, uh, but I have had one pet peeve that I've carried with me for two decades and that's spiritual plagiarism. People stealing from God's word and, and not giving him credit for it, taking wise counsel from the scriptures and, and acting like it was their own leadership skills that, that taught it, right? There's a lot of Christian leadership books out there. You can thumb your pages through and there's not one dadgum reference to scripture in it. Shame on them tell them a little mad about that. But anyway, God help me not to be that way. But this passage is a treasure trove of that. I could literally just walk down through this passage which we're about to do and show you practical applications of the topic of gratitude. So, let's look at several vital components of genuine Christ honoring gratitude. Number one, acknowledge my need. We don't know how these ten lepers knew that Jesus was traveling. I mean, I'm sure there was a buzz, conversations. They didn't text each other, right? So, but the word got out. We don't know exactly how far they were standing from him when they yelled. We don't know how loud they yelled out to Jesus. What we do know is what they said. Verse 13, they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. That's what they said. Psalm 18, verse 6. says, In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God I cried for help. From His temple He heard my voice, and my cry to Him reached His ears. In my what? Distress. (laughs) Don't come crying to Jesus in cryptic code. Well, you know, I'm doing pretty good. Well, you know, I just got a little little request, just a little one, Jesus. You know. Don't don't think you're going to fool God when you come to him. Psalm 34 verse 6 says, "The poor man cried." It says this poor man cried. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Friend, if you're not in trouble, what do you need God for? Hey, Live, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Who cares? This is actually refreshing to me because God actually asks us to spill the beans. Don't downplay your situation to God. Psalm 50 verse 15 says, And call upon me, this is God talking, call upon me in the day of trouble. Now I know we should pray to God without ceasing, we should praise without ceasing. But he's saying, in your trouble, call to me. Call to me. It's like a father. We know this about even basic parenthood. If a child, our little child falls and scrapes their knee, don't we want them to cry out for us? How much more so our heavenly father who says, call to me. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Your deliverance is the very source of gratitude which glorifies God. But to be delivered, you got to be in trouble. <laughs> and if you don't know you're in trouble, you're in big trouble. All right? Uh, in Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells this parable. He says, uh, Luke 18, verse 9, He, Jesus, also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other a tax collector. You folks that don't know what a tax collector was, it was like the dirtbag lawyers, you're right? It was like the, the worst of the worst. They exacted extra taxes from people, cruel, mean. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector." I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, similar to this story, just like the leper, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. Didn't even want to look up. But beat his breast, beat his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other one. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Don't come to Jesus covering up your leprosy. Your skin's falling off. And it's okay. The, God, God, the Bible says that God blesses a, a, a broken and contrite heart. We are all, by the way, le- uh, leprosy is a symbolic of sin anyway in Scripture. And we're all sinful lepers in that regard. Amen? Their physical need and spiritual need was immediate. Their skin, no light, no doubt showed that. It was constant. They saw no end in sight. And it was desperate. They were sick enough to search. Are you sick enough to search? Well, if you're not, then don't search. Because the God that I worship is not worth having if He's not worth searching for. <laughs> if you're not desperate for and acknowledge your need. Number two, cry out for help. I believe a large majority of people struggling with depression and other various sins are people who complete step one, but they never make it through step two. They know their need, but they never cry out for help. They just stay silent. Let's just, just suppress this issue, maybe it'll go away. Let me just say here that their cry was a distant cry, which was required by Levitical law, Right? Now, leprosy, this, uh, you know, I've studied some about the leprosy that was in this passage. We don't know that it, there was just one kind of leprosy that ate your fingers off. You know, you, know, you lost the sense, sense in your fingers, and so you would accidentally wear your fingers down to nubs. There were, it was a variety of skin diseases, and the Scriptures in Leviticus 13 and Leviticus 14 give all these biblical laws of cleanliness related to uh, uh, leprosy. The skin condition, but they were required one of them was that all lepers were required to live in isolation, right so it was a distant cry isolated it was a public cry they would you know they would have been on the foot trail, which we 've already mentioned, coming from Galilee down to Jerusalem or up to Jerusalem, however you see it, and so there would have been a lot of people around but i 'm going to tell you something a true cry for help isn't embarrassed to ask, is it? When you get ready to to plead the blood of Jesus over your family, over your home, you don't care, do you? Not when you're desperate. Everybody, it's just so crazy to me. Everyone's so polished until something tragic happens. And boy, then you see them, don't you? And I praise God for those moments. Uh, A public cry, a specific cry. It was not accusatory. God, you got me into this, you can get me out. Wasn't a shallow cry, you know, God, just get this stuff off my body. It's inconvenient. It was a specific cry. Mercy. I don't need healing, Lord. I need mercy because healing comes with mercy. Amen. Well, number three, obey Christ's prescription, right? Uh, I mentioned the other day that we're such a weird people that we pay doctors to diagnose and prescribe healing remedies, uh, but we we often don't comply with the results. Actually, I researched this this week, 20 to 30 percent of all new prescriptions are never filled. (laughs) Uh, matter of fact, in 2018, an estimated 140 million prescriptions were never picked up. Now, some of that may be because of affordability. But in the end, the end result is they didn't trust the doctor, and they didn't trust the prescription's cure, or they would have gone and picked it up if, it were, if they were desperate. But God prescribes for free. He's right in his diagnosis 100% of the time. And by the way, it is free to us, but it was not free to him, right? He, he underwrote our entire payment with his life, and our faith and repentance in him uh, helps us to receive that. And, and their faith was instant. Luke seventeen fourteen. go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Some of y'all are praying and sitting still. <laughs> you're asking for a miracle, but you're not doing nothing in your faith. Well, God, if you'll do this, I'll do this. Or, you know, I just need to wait around. You need to be moving toward Christ. All right. So get up, trust him. <laughs> as they went, they were healed. By the way, as scripture often, a lot of people, I even hear Christian music about it, Hunter, uh, that God, that Jesus is a rebel. Ah, oh, Jesus was a rebel. And, and Jesus was rebellious against the cultural norms, the man-made rules. But Jesus wasn't a rebel to the law of God. He's actually telling the ten lepers to do what the Levitical code required to do. Do, go to the priest and present yourself to the priest to be cleansed. Right? Now, they never made it there. I wonder how far they walked, you know. They turned, they begin to walk away. I wonder how long they made, did they make it two steps? They make it a mile and then all of a sudden they, they, they saw the healing on their bodies. I'd love to know how that happened. What I do know is that God proved he's the doctor <laughs> and, uh, and because they didn't even make it to the priest. They didn't need the priest. He wanted them their heart to be willing and obedient but they didn't need that priest because we have a great high priest, amen? And he's the one doing the healing. Don't cry out without stepping out. And by the way, some of you say, well, I don't know much scripture. Well, you know enough to start obeying. (laughs) And if you start obeying what you do know, he'll show you what you don't know. All right. Number four, actually be healed. I know this sounds so profound. A key to gratitude is actual healing. And some of you uh, just quite frankly don't want to be healed. You know, you kind of like wallow. You like, you like the pig pen. As a matter of fact, uh, Corinthians 7 verse 10 says, you know, uh, godly sorrow brings repentance and leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. And I believe that's, a, that's one of the spiritual things behind a lot of suicide is this worldly sorrow. Mis- you don't know where to put it. You've got the good guilt. But it's it's not good enough. You don't understand where to put it. You need to put it on the cross of Jesus and be done with it. Don't talk about it anymore. It's God's. He took it. Don't mock the cross. Give it to Him, mm. Vicky. Now. Uh, lived in a fairly rough area of New York when I was working on my master's and there was a female police officer that was shot, I believe, in front of our house. We didn't witness it. But she she took one bullet in her walkie-talkie thing. You know, this was late 90s. And then she took another one in the vest. And I can just imagine all those years of having to put that vest on, you know, the cumbersome vest. But suddenly, it was the best thing she'd ever put on, right? And she was grateful for it. A vital component of genuine Christ-honoring gratitude is actual healing. This thing saved my life. God has saved my life. Whatever happened to those ten men was abundantly visible and miraculous. They were healed. What began with acknowledging their need ended in tangible, unexplainable healing. Y'all know, I told you, of, uh, y'all may have heard of the fable of the, the woman who uh, her family roof blew off her house. Her son was sucked up into a violent tornado and she cried out to God, God, please send my son back. Well, boom, all of a sudden he floated back down as if on a cloud of air and was laying right at her feet. He, she didn't know what to do. She was smiling from ear to ear. She jumped up, grabbed him and started just hugging him with all her might. And she, as she was hugging him, she realized something was missing she looked up to God and she said, Lord, he had a hat. (laughs) And that's somehow (laughs) sometimes how we are in our prayers, you know, God, I want, I want, I want. And then he gives and we're still pushing on through to the want. Church, do you know every step that you take should be one of gratefulness, especially after being healed? Listen, Mark my words, I know there's consequences of sin on earth, right? We have spiritual and physical scars from our rebellion. But if you're a blood bought heir to the throne of God, if you're a child by faith and repentance in Jesus Christ, if you are that child, I mean, I, I mean, I'm for some horsepower back there. That sounded like a truck pull. I mean, I'm for sound effects to to help with the sermon. That was almost just if you'd have waited ten more seconds, Jimmy, that'd have been perfect. (laughs) Third gear, fourth gear, full pull. All right. (laughs) Hey, listen. If you're if you're saved, listen to me. Listen to God's word. You will never pay for one single sin. In eternity. Now I'm 50 years old and I don't have my mind around that yet. So I'm just telling you. (laughs) I don't know how else to explain it, but that's the truth. That's God's biblical truth. I will not pay for it. That's a miracle, that's healing, and we need to be grateful for it. Acknowledge my need, cry out for help, obey Christ's prescription, be healed, and finally, for Pete's sake, (laughs) be grateful. Now I know it's lonely, only one of those ten came back, right? (laughs) Right? And sometimes you've got to leave the nine to go and be grateful, to stand out and uh, fall on your face before God. But it's okay. Luke 17, 15, he saw that he was healed. He turned back, praising God. Show your praise and gratitude to God. Turn back and praise Jesus. Just as rare as those serving without expecting thanks are those who show things when they're actually healed. I'm really shocked at this church. I see people all the time pray and ask, and then the prayer is answered and they have already forgotten that it was God. They say, you know, I saw a list of things that the the lepers that didn't return, must have, you know, some, some possible ideas they must have had like, well, I was already starting to heal anyway, you know? Well, you know, I, the priest did it. It was, that, it was this or that instead of giving glory to God. Friend, somebody in this church may pray over you, but if you get, if you get healed, it's not the person in the church that did it. It's the, it's the God we were praying to. It was lonely. It was loud. By the way, he was a Samaritan. I love, you know, when they talk about Rahab in the Bible, it, it always says Rahab the prostitute, and it says... She, Rahab the prostitute every time, except in the lineage of Jesus, I believe. It's making a point. It's not trying to shame her for being a prostitute. It's trying to show you, sinner, who God can save. <laughs> and it says he was a Samaritan. He was, he was the lowest caste of his day. Hmm. It was also loud. Uh, Luke 17, 15 says, praising God with a loud voice. I tell, I say to J.R. and Andrew Fisher and You know, whoever's in that sound booth, crank it up. Not only because I'm deaf, but God, I want heaven to hear Piperton praise, Jesus. Amen. (laughs) And there's a pastor, George Herbert. He passed away in 1633, but uh, not before he left this little poem behind. Thou hast given so much to me, give one thing more, a grateful heart. Not thankful when it pleaseth me as if thy blessings had spared days, but such a heart whose pulse shall be thy praise. I want my blood to to beat with the praise of Jesus. I want every pulse of my body to give gratefulness to the Lord. Church, our cries of gratitude need to be louder than our cries for help. And listen, uh, this is a beautiful part of this story. Where were the 10 lepers when they cried out to Jesus? They were distant. You know why they were distant? They were, because it was the law. By law, they had to be. Where is the one leper who's been healed? Where is he at when he cries out to Jesus? He's at his feet, legally. He's legally at the feet of Jesus. He's not, he's not, che- he's not a cheat code in a video game. I mean, he gets to go right up there because he's been cleansed. Same reason God says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Because he's paid his blood. He's torn the veil that was in the temple that separated us from the Holy of Holies. And the same is evident here in this example. It's beautiful to me. Draw near. Let your praises be loud. It's lonely, it's loud, and uh, lastly, it's rewarding. Luke 17, 19, and he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. And listen, y'all got to catch this. That word for wellness, it's the Greek word used in reference to spiritual salvation. And it's different from the word in verse 14. The word in verse 19 for made well is different than the other one. In verse 19, it's the word sozo, from where we get our word SOS. It means safe, rescued, to deliver out of danger and into safety, used principally of God rescuing believers from the penalty and power of sin and into his provisions of safety. Now, why didn't Jesus just say to the man, you're welcome, no problem, no biggie? I'm God, wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, you know, I healed lepers laying at his feet and he's saying, where are the nine? I believe Jesus wanted to demonstrate, he wanted to show that our gratitude and the object of it are genetic markers of every follower of Jesus. Church, if you want spiritual healing, if you want spiritual walk with God to grow. Obey his word. Do what he tells you to do without expecting thanks. And praise him for the unwarranted flood of healing grace that will pour over your life for all eternity. Never lets off the gas. Just like Jimmy's sound bite from earlier. Just floor down. Pedal to the metal the whole time. That's his forgiveness rolling over you every second of every day. Would you stand? Father God, I love your examples in Scripture of you yourself on the way to the cross preaching a lesson on gratitude even though you weren't getting any. (laughs) And uh, Lord, we, we delight in the creativity of your word. You're wonderful, you're great, your lessons are abundant, your life is eternal, your forgiveness is forever. And we pray now that if there are people here that don't know that forgiveness, the joy of walking in freedom, knowing that we will never pay for one of our sins in heaven. I pray they call out on on the name of the Lord now and just cry out to you, Lord. It's not some magic prayer. It's not some holy water. It's a holy God who gave his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, who rose on the third day and who lives forever, and who's returning to call his saints home. It will happen. We will will be proved right. And I pray that if there's people here that don't know you, they'd call on your name. Ask for forgiveness and be saved. I pray for others that may want to join this church, or may just have some sins they need to confess to you, people who are already believers that want to get some things right in their life. I pray that your, your name would be glorified today. In Jesus' name, amen.